We choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that goal will serve to organize and measure the best of our energies and skills. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. One we are willing to postpone. And one we need to win. Here's a ground ball right side. Could do it. The Another edition of Beyond the Diamond Podcast is here. Brian Lima, Apollo Dez are with you. Follow us on Twitter at blima790, at ApolloDez1. And of course, like we say twice a week, follow the main account on Twitter at ApolloHOU for all of the best Houston sports content that you will come across. And Dez, the Astros have already played 60 games. It's crazy that coming up, on what they play last year, 62? It was a 62-game sprint last year, and they've already played 60 games this year. 60-game sprint. 60-game sprint, okay. So yep. the last, the 162 is what they played this year. The two series that they just played, they have won. They took three out of four from the Red Sox, and they took two out of three from the Toronto Blue Jays. Des, you and I were there for the day game uh, where your boy Jake Odorizzi got roughed up a bit. They lost 5-1, to one, but they had already secured the series. Framber Valdez came back and dominated. Jose Arquiti looked good in, in the opening game. And our boy Luis Garcia had dominated again today in game three of the series against the Blue Jays. And he dominated against the Red Sox in a five to one win in game two of the Red Sox series. Where should we start? The Astros are playing really, really good baseball right now. Yeah, I, I look, we talked about it, right? Um, a couple episodes ago that... Uh, this month is big for this team. Um, treading water, returning serve is, is the name of the game, right? And, um, well, they're playing really good baseball. They're stepping up. Obviously, they dropped the series to the Padres, literally dropped it. They dropped the ball. Um, but since then, it's been pretty damn good baseball. Uh, we played some really good teams. We've, we've won the series, and that's what you do at the end of the day. When you keep stacking up series wins throughout the year, you're going to be in October, 100%. Yep. They're seven and, all, seven and five over the last three, four series. One, and two, and, you, and three, you need four, that. Yeah. And, we looked at, and we looked at the schedule. We're like, 500 balls, okay. And, and they're exceeding expectations. Um, like you said, Luis Garcia is pitching his big old wagon off. It, it's, it's outrageous that he is going to be forced at the pin when Lance McCullers Jr. comes back. Because I think the Astros in the front office are committed to Jake Odorizzi because how much money they shelled out to him. And he's an innings eater. I get it. Um, Luis Garcia is, is pitching his tail off. He's never thrown more than, I think, 120 innings ever in his career. So um, temper expectations because he's going to hit that wall and he's going to have that dead arm stuff. But um, maybe going to the pins not a bad idea. Um, you know, stretch him out a bit. Piggyback him starts. Uh, maybe go six-man rotation. You know, you spread it all out. But um, He's definitely forced the front office hand and, and Brent Strong's hand on what the decision is going to come up to do because against the Angels, excuse me, against the Yankees, against the Dodgers, against the Padres, against the Red Sox, against the Blue Jays, it doesn't matter. Luis Garcia just steps up, just absolutely steps up. Yeah, yeah, and with, with the Astros, and you know, you hit on it very briefly, they dropped two to the Padres, really uh, two out of three to the Padres, but in those two losses, they could have easily won those games. So we could be possibly seeing with, uh, the Astros having nine wins over the last 
three, four series. Um, but it is what it is. Zach Greinke in game one against the Blue Jays, where they absolutely shellacked the Blue Jays 13-1. Zach Greinke throws a complete game to improve his record to 6-2. and two. Zach Greinke continues to do Zach Greinke things. It's it's amazing. It's wild. because Because I personally, a couple episodes, maybe a month or so ago, I asked you the question, is there a concern for Zach Greinke? Because I'm a little concerned. I will admit I was a little concerned. But the consummate professional that Zach Greinke is, he just continues to pitch. He gets deeper into deeper into the innings, deeper uh, with good. I'm sorry, with um, he doesn't get deep into hitters. The pitch count is staying low, and he is winning baseball games for the Houston Astros. Yeah, I, I'm guilty of it. I'm super guilty of waiting for that other shoe to drop with Zach Greinke, and he he's just turned it on every single start. At, yeah, there's some outliers where he gets he gets squeezed a bit. Uh, offenses jump him, but those are an outlier, and he's just a constant, constant, constant in this rotation. And he's a he's a Hall of Famer, and we're 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 really spoiled to see it. It's not your Justin Verlander, it's not your Garrett Cole, it's not the ninety nine miles an hour and, and multi strikeouts. He's just gonna piece you up. He's he he reminds me of um uh, of Floyd Mayweather after. When Floyd May- Mayweather went from Pretty Boy Floyd when he was knocking all those people out early in his career and then went to Money Money Mayweather, Brian, remember yep. that? Uh, and, uh, to be honest, no, I don't. But I'm gonna take your word for it. Okay, so there was a switch with Mayweather, right? We all know right. love him or hate him, all the wins he's fighting tonight. He's actually boxing tonight. That's right. Yeah, but Mayweather then used to break his hands, and he he was Pretty Boy Floyd. He'd get the knockouts, but he kept breaking his hands, and I, he realized he couldn't sustain that. So. He changed his philosophy up and he actually started boxing and just piecing people together. Nothing, nothing fancy, no fancy knockouts, but he wouldn't get hit and he would hit you and he would just piece you up. One, two, one, two, one, two. And that's what we're seeing with Zach Grinky. Like, it's outrageous. He just doesn't really get hit and he knows what he has and he's just going to, he's just going to do that. Yeah. And and it's time and time again. And I'm looking at his stats right now uh, on baseball reference. In his career right now with Houston, he's seventeen and six. Um, that doesn't even feel right. Seventeen and six. He's only he's only started thirty five games for us. Well, let's see. That's he had uh, yeah. I mean, you think yeah. about it. He only had eight, a half three, half eight, season three. in nineteen, um, and then obviously the shortened season in twenty. And then here's the first full season for Zach Krinky with the Astros. So yeah, that's it's about right. It's crazy to think about because you feel like if, Zach Krinky's been with the Astros for more than just. Uh, man, he hasn't even played. Like I just said he hasn't even played a full full year with the Astros. Yeah. So collectively, he's pitched a full season in three seasons, which Look, is he's, crazy. He's only logged two hundred innings with the Astros. Two hundred twelve innings. He's seventeen and six, a seven forty winning percentage, three forty eight ERA. Um, but it's just been. It's been great to see. I mean, his his peripherals on on advance um, stats look great as well. Um, it just wow. I, I that really just took me back. I know you just said it, but seeing it, it we've only had thirty five starts of Zach Greinke. He yeah, threw. He, he had more starts in two years with Milwaukee. He had forty nine games started. Wow. Compared to three, obviously with the COVID years is different, but right. Um, that's wild. Yeah, it's absolutely pe- wild. People compl- can complain about how much he's getting paid and the contract that the Astros took on with a little bit of help from Arizona, uh, paying the prospects Zach Greinke. We gave up. Yeah, and the prospects we gave up. But 
they got Zach Greinke to do what he does, and he has done exactly that. He's been very consistent. Has he had some really bad games? Sure, that's going to happen. But he has been one constant in the Astros rotation. And we saw it the other night. A complete game. That's his first one since 2017. And he dominated. He's not doing it with a 99-mile-an-hour fastball. He is absolutely finessing guys on the mound. He is locating fastballs, humping it up when he needs to, dropping off disgusting change-ups, throwing the curveball, mixing in the EFIS pitch. He's like, um, a, basically, he's a modern-day Greg Maddox. Greg Maddox, I don't think in his career, I'm sure early on in his career, obviously I'm not old enough to, to remember early, early on in his career, but from what I do remember about Greg Maddox is middle to latter part of his career, he didn't throw a fastball over 92 miles an hour, and he didn't have to because he had so much run on his two-seam that dudes were swinging with their ass out and not making any contact. And that's what Zach Greinke is doing. And so you love to see it because a lot of people, including you and I, we had a little bit of uh, a little bit of concern for Zach Greinke. And just like Zach Greinke can do, he comes out, he throws a complete game, and he gets it done for the Astros. Love yeah. It. Absolutely uh, love it. It's it's been absolutely. I make that trade ten, 10 times out of ten, and, and twice on Sunday. Still to this day, um, I really hope he gets that moment where he walks off uh, as a World Series champion because he deserves it in his career. Um, but he's pitched his tail off and he anchors this rotation. You have Framber back now, who looks phenomenal. Uh, he just defies all of medical science. Uh, your Creedy was roughed up a bit yesterday. Uh, he. A lot of people were clowning on our guy, Dusty, and they were like, he's, he, he's throwing too many strikes. But I actually got that reference as a as a baseball guy. Your Creedy was throwing a lot of strikes. When you're around the zone, you're filling up the zone a lot. Um, that, that tends to get hit quite a bit. So sometimes you, you want your, your pitchers to mix it up a tad. Um, it's you know never a bad thing when, you're, when your starter's you know, throwing a bunch of strikes, but you're not mixing a lot of balls and, and changing eye levels and doing that kind of stuff. Um, lineups in the major league baseball will get to you and, and that's what we saw so i don't know why people were clowning, clowning on dusty on that because um i actually got that reference yeah i would take I, I we said this multiple times over the last couple of weeks because we've seen the astros pitching staff walk a lot of guys throw a lot of pitches did jose or get roughed up absolutely he did i would take him getting roughed up because at least he's throwing strikes yeah. Do you want to find a silver lining of his rough outing? It's he was throwing too many strikes. Now, you obviously, <laughs> you want to mix want up something? eye levels, but, you know, shit, at least he's throwing strikes. You know who whose fault this is? It was, I was at uh, Little Woodrow's in Midtown with our boy, little bro, Taylor. And he, we, had, we were having a, a civil discourse of who would you want on this staff? And I'll ask you the question as well. Okay. Who do you want of this rotation right now? It's a game seven. Who do you want pitching in that game seven right now? As the starter? Brian LaLima, you are the skipper. You are, you're filling out the lineup card. Everyone is eligible, healthy to pitch in this vacuum scenario. Who is starting game seven for you? At, at, right now, right in this now, moment. June, June 6th. Okay. For me, it's going to be Zach Grinke. Okay. i absolutely going with Zach Grinke. He's been there. He's done that. He's a veteran. I wouldn't want the ball in anyone else's hand. You could make a case. I, I love Luis Garcia and what he's done. And you could even make a case that the moment might, may not be too big for him because he even said in a couple of postgame interviews that he doesn't even hear the crowd or he doesn't, yeah. even, he doesn't pay attention to that. But there's still that chance that Luis Gar Garcia has that moment creep up on him and it's too big for him. 
I'm going with Zach Grinky. Uh, I went with Zach Grinky as well. Um, Luis Garcia and Framber Valdez were definitely Framber, and then Luis were my were my next closest decisions. But going with the veteran Zach Grinky. But back to the story. Little bro Taylor adamantly slammed on the table with his beers and was screaming for Jose Urquidy. And I was like, I get it. It's a good decision. I, I understand. And then Jose Urquidy decided to give up 30 runs or a billion runs in a row. And I was like, that is your game seven starter, little bro Taylor. This is all you your know, fault. So I- <laughs> that loss, that loss. Look, Taylor Jones, we missed the pop-up. We get it. It happens. Shit yeah. happens. Right. Yesterday, you could pin that one not on Jose Urquidy, but on little bro Taylor. Look, I love little bro Taylor. Little bro Taylor is one of my favorite people. We had a lot of good times with him in West Palm Beach when we went, went down there. Uh, the home opener, he was there. All the stuff that he does for Apollo HOU is, is phenomenal. But my God, son, that's a bad take. That is a bad take. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm going to be, the, I'm gonna look, be the, the guy here that's going to say no. Look, no, no, no. I was that guy at the bar yelling you gotta at You got to be shitting it. me, little bro. And I hope you're listening to this. My goodness, that loss is on you. This is your fault. His fault. This is your fault. And we're going to, so we've got, uh, we're coming up on time here on segment one. Do you want to tell everyone what's happening? Well, in segment two, uh, we've got a special guest. Thanks to you, Apollo Dez. Uh, we've got Ben Verlander of Fox Sports and the Flippin' Bats podcast joining us to talk everything around the league that you can think of. Anything and everything we're going to discuss with Benny Biceps. Ben Verlander joins us for segment two and the last part of segment one on the downside of things in the Astros world. Aledmus Diaz, who has been stroking the baseball this year. A lot of people slandered him and I I was one of the only guys in the beginning of the season defending him. And he was playing well, getting a lot of innings in, taking a lot of at-bats, playing left field, playing first base, second base, shortstop. You could put him anywhere. Uh, He's going to be out six to eight weeks with a broken hand. So that sucks. That yeah, sucks. Uh, Diaz, it's it, it. He's just snake bit. At the end of the day, he's just snake bit, and it sucks to see because, like you said, he was hitting the ball well uh, with power. He was in the power alleys. He was producing. Uh, I called him Daddy Hacks Diaz because he was just getting up there, just hacking early in the count. He never saw a first pitch fastball he didn't love. Doesn't matter where it was. Um, but I did see a good a good tweet today by uh, our good friend Din. And he said, hey, we'll have him back for August and September. And then what's after that? Uh, that's a good point. Yeah, we yeah. is going to suck uh, not having for the dog days and, and spelling some guys. Hopefully the young young pups in Sugarland step up a bit. But um, yeah. it, it, it could have been a lot worse. It could have been a lot worse. Yeah, and, and you only hope that uh, Aledmus Diaz can re- return to form when he does come back because the Astros are going to need him. That's for, for sure. damn sure. 100%. Uh, I, and I just I think uh, Michael Brantley is close to returning. Yeah, we is should that, see him in Boston. That, we should okay, see him on Tuesday. That's what I thought. I thought I saw that uh, in a tweet for from Dusty Baker on his media availability. Um, he should be back for the Boston Boston series. But Des, that's going to wrap up our uh, segment one. We've got Ben Verlander Benny on Biceps, segment two. You pumped? You pumped, dude? You ready? I'm pumped, dude. I can't wait to talk talk baseball with Ben. Talk about live. Talk about his journey um, to Fox Sports and what he's doing on the Flipping Bats Pod and. And all of that. He's a he's a great friend of Apollo, a great friend of mine, and uh, super excited for this interview. Yep, and that's going to do it for segment one. Don't go anywhere because Ben Verlander joins myself and Apollo Dez to start segment two, which is right around the corner. Don't go anywhere. Next, 
on the Beyond the Diamond podcast here on the Apollo Podcast Network. Welcome back, everybody, to segment two of Beyond the Diamond podcast here on the Apollo Podcast Network. Brian LaLima, Apollo Des. Follow us on Twitter at BLima790 and at Apollo Des1 and, of course, at Apollo HOU. And for segment two, we got a special guest with us today, Fox Sports MLB analyst and host of Flippin' Bat, Flippin Bats podcast, Ben Verlander, settling in in Los Angeles. Ben, thanks for joining us, man. Of course, guys. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Benny, so glad we finally got linked up, bro. Uh, it's been a long time coming. It's been great to see your growth and everything you're doing. You're killing the game. Um, from the long nights in the pandemic on Twitch, uh, we both went through that grind with like 10 people watching when we first started. And uh, to see where we are, you know, a year later has been sweet. So appreciate you taking time out today, bro. And uh, let's talk some baseball. Yeah, man, it's been uh, it's it's certainly been quite the journey and and pumped to finally be on here. I'm glad it finally worked out. Yeah, I I think the big thing was like the moment that I knew, oh, shit, Ben's about to he's he's there. He's going to make it was the World Series. You, you're on you're on there with Swisher and all the guys talking about, you know, the interactive thing. And I and I think it was a cool concept because, you know, college football during the National Championship has been doing it for a long time with like, that coach kind of uh other channel where the coaches are watching the game and talking through the X's and O's and to see you guys do that last year. I thought that was one of the coolest concepts. Um, can you kind of walk us through that and just hanging out with those guys and, you know, those legends? Yeah. So that was kind of the, the first thing I did for Fox. And that kind of is, is what propelled me into, into my job. And, you know, I knew when I finished playing baseball, I, I wanted to stay in it. Um, you know, I, I really feel like I was put on this earth to talk about baseball. And I, and I had that opportunity come up. Uh, I was coming out to L.A. and I met with a guy that was like, hey, um, we'd like you to, to be on the World Series watch party. Uh, so I was like, I don't know what that entails, but sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so literally a couple of weeks later, I was flying back out here for the watch party and ended up hosting it with Pino Martinez, Rick Ankeel and Nick Swisher. Uh, and, and it went really well and has parlayed into this job I have now. So it was truly, truly awesome to be able to do that. And, and with that group of guys as well, it was insane. What's, uh, what's Ricky and Kiel like? I just think I, I've followed him for, for so long in his journey in the major leagues, being a pitcher and struggling with that, then taking a few years off and then coming back and being an outfielder. Actually, I think he played for the Astros at some point. Just his mm -hmm. journey is so unique. And then finally getting a chance to play some alpha in the in the uh, MLB. But what, what's it like being around guys like Tino Martinez and, and Rick Ankeel and, and Nick Swisher and, and those? Yeah. Those so actually, I didn't know that I'd be um, I didn't know that I'd be hosting. I, I come back out here for the watch party and was told, yeah, so you're, you're going to be hosting. And I was like, oh, all right, great. All right. And yeah, so I'm I, in there. I, I'm going to host those guys with, you know, Tino has a bunch of World Series and uh, just, you know, Every single show we did, we started with game seven of the NLCS and went through game six of the World Series. And every single one got better and better and better. And we all just started meshing uh, better. And, you know, I think by the end of it, we all became pretty good friends. And, and Rick Ankiel is, dude, one of the most remarkable stories in like right. baseball history almost. Oh, yeah. Like one of Absolutely. the most talented people on a mound in history. And then to just go through what he went through uh, and, and literally not be able to throw a strike uh, and then just transition into becoming a really good outfielder is like 
insane to me. Um, and just, you know, like every once in a while, you know, we'd be talking about the playoffs and Tino Martinez would drop in with like, yeah, you know, well, well I've played in, you know, over, uh, over a hundred playoff games. So maybe you guys should let me take this one. And it's just cool <laughs> stuff like yeah, that, that, right. that happened that, that I'll always remember. Yeah, Tino Martinez was on those really good Yankees teams, like yeah. really, really powerful Yankees team. That's crazy. I think the cool yep. concept, and and you can see it when people have played baseball. I, we've all played college ball, all different levels. But once you get in a room with a guy that's played ball at a level, you can. It's almost like you're in the clubhouse again, just chopping it up. And it's it's unique how you could pair that up, and the guys can just be guys. And we always say, you know, guys be dudes, and we can just talk and chop it up because. Once you have a conversation with someone that has played the game and has been through the grind that you've been, you know, you've done the bus rides, you've done the crappy food, you've you've been burnt out, you've you've been in the cages, you've done the 27 outs for five hours because, you know, the guys can't get, you know, the airs down and, and all that stuff. So I think it's a really cool uh, concept that you guys did. And obviously you said it parlayed into what is now, I think, one of the best podcasts. I love it. I tune in all the time um, to your flipping bats. Um Obviously, first off, it's a good luck charm forever goes on. I mean, no hitters, monster home runs, five hit games. <laughs> I mean, what's the secret sauce over there, Ben? Dude, it, it's been insane, but you nailed it. It's honestly just about like when, when you get guys that have been, you know, in the same area as you, it becomes just like talking shop and, and hanging out. And that's kind of the whole point and the whole feel of my podcast is, is having that feeling and not being you know, so like buttoned up and like a formal type of interview that guys have had forever. You know, it's all about just hanging out and being able to talk shop with guys. And and then, you know, I start getting into it and start getting a few episodes in and I'm like, wait, everybody that I've had on so far is going off. You know, it started with my first guest is Tyler Glass now and he's having an insane year. And then he goes to Reese Hoskins and Reese is like, a couple months into the year up in the league lead and homers i'm like dude this is like this is becoming like a thing so then i started like promoting it like it was a thing and then it really took off yeah and then guys really started doing great um and it's like as soon as they come on or as soon as i finish interviewing them uh they just go insane so it's been a cool little cool little bit to have and certainly you know i don't i don't know what the secret sauce is but it's certainly happening yeah, that's awesome. Uh, I mean, I guess my question—I I already know the answer—but your 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 white whale—it's got to be Shohei, right? To get Mister Mister Otani on on flipping bats—that's that's the ultimate goal, right? Yeah, I would love to have Otani on. I just I, he—I know he doesn't speak the best English, right. um, but to me, it doesn't matter. <laughs> like I'd I'd literally just sit on there and we could just smile and wave back and forth. And I'd be content. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but, you know, yeah, like a guy like that, a guy like uh, I would love to have Trout on. I would love to have uh, Tatis on, um, you know, guys like that, guys that deserve to be, you know, the guys that I'm tweeting about all the time because they're making baseball more exciting. Um, I, I, I think those would be the guys that I'm like, please. Yeah, that'd be awesome to have them on. Yeah. So when we talk about Fernando Tatis, Mike Trout, Shohei Otani, uh, Ronald Acuna Jr., uh, the young, the youthful players these days and talking about how it's the game is evolving and it's more um, more flamboyant, I guess you could say. Are you do you mind the bat flips, the pimp jobs? Um, I think Des and I love like what Tatis did the other night against the Astros and the top of the night, big time situation. 
Uh, Taylor Jones misses a, a foul ball, uh, a pop-up in foul territory. Next pitch, boom. Tie game. Tatis absolutely admires it. He does a little uh, little skip around third base. I'm in favor of it. What I do you think it. about it? Yeah, I love it. I mean, I just – the game is different yeah. than it was, right? So Dude. I'm all I'm Dude. all for it. The name of my podcast is Flipping Bats. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm all for it. And I think um, baseball is evolving and changing, and it's becoming so much more exciting. And if you're not on board with the stuff like this happening, you're getting left in the dark ages. Um, it, it's the people that are saying, ah, you know, it's it's showing up, have some respect. It's not. It's just having fun playing the game that people have played their whole lives. And and I said, you know, if, if the three of us are out in the backyard playing wiffle ball and somebody hits a bomb off me, I'd expect you to flip the bat or yeah. do something cool with it because it's fun. And that's what these guys are doing at the big league level. They're finally able to show their emotions and have fun. And just play the game loose and and swing 3-0 and, and flip their bats and stutter step around third base. And it genuinely makes it so exciting. Like, I look at a guy like Tatis and what he did against the Astros the other night. And I literally saw people tweeting like, dang, that sucks, but I can't be mad at him. And no. that's that shows you how the game is evolving. Because there is a guy like that that's so exciting and so good for the game of baseball that everyone finds themselves rooting for him. And obviously you're not rooting for him to succeed in that moment, but when he does, it's cool, man. It's yeah. awesome to be able to see a guy like Tatis uh, literally change the game in front of our eyes. A guy like Tatis, a guy like Ronald Acuna Jr., a guy like Vladdy Guerrero Jr. The game is evolving right in front of our eyes and, and I absolutely love it. Yeah. I think the cool thing and, and, and like, like you said, like we're not cheering for that. Obviously, we're we're Astro fans and Houston sports based company. But the result is I can root for. Like I I saw that. And I was like, if I hit a ball that far in my entire life, first off, I probably would have done somersaults around the base. But two, like <laughs> just stop and stare and admire it. Like everyone did the umpire. I mean, even even Stubbs. Like if you look at the thing, he was just staring. Like he put his hand up to get get the ball, but he was just staring at it. And everyone stopped. I mean, it's it's things like that we see with Otani all the time. I mean. The dude's throwing 100 miles an hour and then it coming up to bat and hitting a ball 500 feet. Like, this is su he's such a rare talent. We're spoiled seeing Trout year and year out. And and I don't think he gets enough recognition because he's probably going to be the one of the greatest, if not the greatest player to ever play. And the talent is just uh, it's second to none. And we're seeing it, like you said, with Vladdy and Acuna. I just think the sport's in such a good spot as we're going into um, the 2020s. Like, I'm just excited because I'm always thinking, what am I going to see next? What what's going to happen tomorrow when uh, Acuna hits the ball 700 feet? Like I'm, I'm <laughs> like, and as a fan of the game, it's it's. I think it falls on us to market it because it's it's not being marketed in a way um, for these guys to to be themselves. And I think they're starting finally, finally, finally coming out of their shells a bit. And I think the pandemic did something with that because. They all were on Twitch, right? We finally got a um, a, a place where we just saw the guys actually being the guys because uh, obviously a lot of times in the locker room they get robot answers. You know, it's, you know, how do you feel right. like your parents at the game? Like, of course, I feel yeah. good. My parents are at the game. You know, I went three for three. But when right. they're on a Twitch channel streaming with their guys, you can see who they really are. And um, I think we're finally slowly getting there. And um, like I said, with your with your podcast and getting these guys to come out of their, their shells a bit, and a talking shop is a really cool concept.
That's the and, and that's the whole point, man. And and guys have always, you know, a lot of the reason guys have been like buttoned up in, in interviews is because of just the questions that are asked. Yeah. Um, and and the game is evolving. And I remember I had Lance Lynn on well, not too long ago on my podcast, and I asked him a question because I looked back and watched one of his, you know, like a compilation of his interviews. And one of the one of the guys asked him a question was like, "Hey, Lance." Um, so what was it like? How did you feel when you gave up that home run today? And it's like, like what we're not asking guys questions that result in like good answers. Like, well, what do you want out of him when you ask that question? It's so like ridiculous. So part of it is a shift in the game of baseball and it's becoming a lot more exciting. And part of it is is hopefully having guys like myself and and younger people um you know, like our age involved in baseball and expressing it the way it should be and and opening guys up and asking the right questions and promoting the game the way it needs to be promoted because there really has been a shift in it. And you can see it from, from the MLB account and from all those accounts, like they're starting to realize who the faces of baseball are becoming and they're, they're advertising it that way. And, and so I really agree with you. I think baseball is in a beautiful position to just you know take off into into the future it's it's incredible i I think a couple things come to mind ben when you talk about the game that we have today the first time that i noticed the game was starting to evolve was um was it jose bautista massive home run uh against the rangers in the playoffs a couple years ago with his bat flip and staring at it and the place went nuts i was like man that's a big time pimp job we might start (laughs) to we might start to see that more relevant and obviously there was you know some other things going on between those two teams but for him to do that in that moment I absolutely loved it and then I you continue to see these younger talented players starting to do that so then where the game is right now like with the names that you said Mike Trout, Shohei Otani, uh, Acuna, Fernando Tatis Jr. you've got Vlad Jr. these guys are so talented so youthful and the talent is going to continue to get better and better why are we not we but why is why are people trying to change the game meaning like you see all these new rules that are these new experiments down in the minor leagues uh some of the independent leagues are still trying crazy stuff why are we messing with the game the game itself or or what do you think what do you think the reason is behind all that yeah i think um one we are you know we are getting into an exciting place where it's like why why do we need to change anything but also you know you look at every sport throughout history and it evolves as time goes along and and you experiment with things. So I actually, I have no, no problem experimenting with things. Like I understand um, baseball has been around the longest, but there's certain, there's certain rules. Like for example, the drop third strike rule. Um, And you can run to first if the catcher drops it, that rule has been around since literally the beginning of time the rules that were around when that became a rule was like um if a fielder catches the ball on one bounce he's still out um and like all these all these crazy things like the game needs to evolve the game needs to to change as as time goes along so i'm okay with with some of it i I don't like um some of it you know um but i'm okay with experimenting with things and and seeing how people like it. The problem is, is, you know, baseball fans are so stuck in their ways that the second they hear anything about a change, it's, whoa, 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 why are we doing that? 
Um, and look, take the extra inning rule, for instance. I don't love that it starts in the 10th inning, but I'd be totally fine if it started in the 12th or the 13th. I, I think it I think it makes sense. I think um, once you start getting games that are scoreless and, and you know, in extra innings and go into like the 17th and 18th inning, um, it's like, what, what are we doing here? So, you know, I think a rule like that makes sense. I just wish uh, it would start in the 12th or the 13th inning as opposed to the 10th inning. But yeah, I, I'm okay with experimenting with some things and, and seeing what direction baseball should go, but not tinkering with it too much. Do you think the game should go to an automated strike zone, robo op, uh, robo um, something crazy like that? I think that is where it's heading. Yeah. Uh, I don't know where I stand. I know this year particularly feels like a bad year, almost like MLB is like wanting them to be bad so more and more people can get on page with an automated strike zone. Yeah. Like, look, guys, we need you to really be bad. So people are like, yeah, you know what? Let's just do it. And it's not just um, it's not just one umpire. I mean, it's it's league wide. And they are bad this year, consistently yeah. bad. Yeah, it's really been bad. Um, and, and I think we are heading in that direction, and I think it'll be fairly soon. I just think there needs to be a big fix to it. You know, you want, I watched the Arizona Fall League and have talked to some guys that played in it when they were experimenting with the strike zone, and it's just not there yet. Um, it's, it's really bad. And you'll have like 12-6 curveballs that bounce on home plate, and they're getting dinged for a strike. And it's like we need to find a way to to evolve the automated strike zone and uh, maybe make it like 3D or shift it in some way. But the way it currently stands, it's not ready. Uh, but I, I don't know. You know, originally I was, was on the page of I, I want an umpire back there um, and I still may be. I just think we are heading to the automated strike zone. It's just a matter of when, not if. Yeah, I think and it, it's kind of crazy, right? We're talking about this. It would be a full-blown automation, changing the game, getting this technology. But even now, and, and, it, and it's this probably might go viral because it's an Astro guy making a camera thing, but we don't even have cameras in the outfield. Like, I just I always think back to 18 when Mookie went to rob the ball and the fan with maybe interference and, and Joe West made the call, you know, 900 feet away. I was like, why is there not even cameras positioned like goal line? Like in football, we have a clear did the ball break the plane? And we don't even have that now in, in baseball. It's just like, I, I, I'm all pro for, for getting the automated system and all this, but I was like, we kind of like speed up the, the other stuff too. Just can't just have it stuck in our own ways because we can't have Joe West making a call 900 feet away uh, on an eyeball test when we can just have a camera going straight down, you know, the right field fence and you could see right. if the ball crosses the yeah, plane or not. They have, they have cameras in the, in the, um, the pylons in football that move all around. Why can't we put a camera like in the side of the foul pole, like in the foul pole, it just looks right down the fence line. So we don't have any more eyeball tests or questions or judgment calls as to whether a ball got out or as whether it like hit a ball, you know, baseball is unique. There's so many things going on behind the outfield fence that you never really know. Um, so why not? It seems so simple to wait. There's a foul pole that literally stays there all the time and never moves. Why can't we drill out a little hole, stick a tiny camera in there? And next thing you know, we have a vision all the way around the field. Yeah, it makes I mean, it just seems simple to Too do much that. sense. Golly. Uh, before we jump into your career, uh, your, your college and professional career, uh, I'm going to hit you with a hard end question. What was your favorite walk up? I mean, we all had walk-up songs. We all kind of grew up in the same time period. So what was what were you jamming? 
Uh, mine, actually, I couldn't settle on one until my junior year of college, and I'm, it was Levels by Avicii. Nice. Um, and then nice. I, you know, became an All-American, so took that into my professional career yeah. and used it for a while there. So I'd say there was a good three, four-year stretch where it was Levels by Avicii, so I got to go with that one. It really, you know, it changed the course of my baseball career, so definitely have to go with that. Des, what was yours? Uh, I was a big Kanye guy, um, a lot of a lot of old Kanye, and then uh, I switched to a a remix, an EDM mix of a Spanish song. Uh, my my junior and senior year of college, when I had really two really good years, and like I like we're all you know creatures of habit, right? When you get hot, you're gonna keep that song. Yeah. So I was like, I don't even speak Spanish, but I'm like hitting the cover off the ball, so we're just gonna keep <laughs> it going. Um, and obviously, I was in Victoria, Texas, so obviously there's a lot of Hispanic people there, so they loved it. Uh, I got the crowd going. What was yours, Brian? Uh, so let's see, junior, senior year of high school, I had Wanna Be a Baller by Little Troy. Uh, <laughs> shout out to Houston Rap. And then my sophomore year of college, it was, um, oh man, what's the song by uh, 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 Big Meech? Um, man. Ben Hoover? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Rick Ross. You're yeah, a Rick Ross. Guy. <laughs> no, no, just so sophomore year, I hit like 330 that year. So I kept it all year. And then junior, senior year of college, I went back to Wanna Be a Baller. Uh, by little Troy. I, I, nice. You can't go wrong, yeah. especially when, you know, you're walking up to the plate and you actually hear, you know, the fans in the stands singing the chorus with, you know, in your mind. So it was, it was pretty dope. I kept it. Yeah. Uh, ben, what was the shift like? Obviously all American to your professional career. Uh, you go from, you know, big guy on campus. Now it's your job. It's your life. It's your livelihood. Uh, kind of walk us through that and the listeners through that. Obviously that's a huge jump and um, people don't realize the grind that um, the minor leaguers have. And I think it's starting, that's starting to come around too, that these people on Twitter and, you know, yeah. they see them in the show, right? They, they're like, they, they know they're the top prospects, but everyone else, you know, um, is grinding as well down there. So you want to kind of walk us through that? Yeah, you go from being, you know, one of the best in the country uh, at the college level to literally going to where everyone was the best in the country. So it's like a, a, you're starting all over from scratch and it's become your profession. Um, and it's it's difficult, man. It's it truly becomes a job. And if you don't perform well at that job, you're gone. I remember the the first year I played, uh, I was in short season, Connecticut with the Tigers. And if, you know, there was a guy that went like 0 for 15 to start his career and he was gone, like he literally had like 15 career at bats. And that was the end of it. And, and that was kind of like my wake up moment. Like, oh, God, like this is this is a business. This is not, you know, playing a playing a game. Uh, it, it is a cutthroat business. And if you don't perform, you're gone. And, and it, you know, there were seasons where we played 142 games in 150 days. Um, look, I, I love the game of baseball more than anything, but uh, I don't think people understand how much of a grind minor league baseball is. And you're making pennies on the dollar. Um, and, you know, I, I get that. The, the argument here is, well, you're playing a child's game. I, I also have worked my entire life to get to where I got to uh, and put in countless, countless, countless hours uh, to be where I am. Um, and, you know, to to you want it to be the best. You want to be put in a good situation. Um, so, you know, I'm not com it's not complaining when, you know, I, I do think there is a problem with the way minor league baseball players are treated. and you know, uh, how they make $5,000, $6,000 a year. I think that's ridiculous. And 
Um, it was one of the biggest changes from going from college ball where it is a team and you are a team and a family and going to pro ball where it immediately becomes a business and a cutthroat business at that. And if you don't perform at the drop of a hat, you could be gone. So it was, it's, it was tough and, and very eye-opening. That's a, that's a hot topic right now, especially with how minor leaguers are, are treated, especially with the, uh, the housing situation. Uh, I forgot what team was it? Was it in South Carolina, North Carolina, where they couldn't even stay in a hotel because the hotel was yeah, the Pelicans. Pelicans, Pelicans. That's right. Myrtle beach. Yeah. So the fact that minor leaguers get paid so poorly, it's below minimum wage. And now you've got big league clubs finally stepping up and housing their minor league players. What was it like? So my college roommate got drafted by the Braves. And I think his first, uh, his first short season was in Danville, uh, mm -hmm. the Danville Braves. And I remember talking to him, you know, just, you know, after his games and, and things like that. And I think he said he had to pay like, there was uh, clubhouse dues for your clubhouse mm -hmm. manager. Um, you had to pay for, obviously, your food. Uh, your housing situation was always screwed up. What was that like? I, I mean, for anybody that didn't play the game in the minor leagues or affiliated baseball or even independent baseball, and you had to explain to them what the situation was like living and, and eating, trying to get food and to make, you know, just make dues, right? Make, make, your, uh, make ends meet, I guess you could say. What, what would you, how would you explain that to somebody? That's literally what you're trying to do is just make ends meet. Make ends meet. Um, That's what I was trying to say. Yeah. You don't make a lot of money and you need food to live. Um, so it becomes, you know, literally, okay, how am I going to juggle my, my life and where I'm living and also perform on the field? Um, and, you know, a, a lot of places at the lower levels have uh, host families. There's like a host family system set up. So my first two years in, in Connecticut for short season and in Grand Rapids, Michigan for uh, full season low A, there's a host family system set up, which really helps. Uh, family basically takes you in and, um, you know, the majority, it, it's free. You're supposed to pay like a, a very small rent, but most families aren't doing it for the small rent money. So they take you in and that really helps and, and they feed you. Um, but once you start getting to higher levels, that host family system goes away and you get to high A and it's like, oh, wait, we have to find living on our own while not making enough to, to eat and to live. So you end up with like a very college sort of situation where like six guys will all group together and live together and, and, and live in a place that's supposed to fit four. And it's housing like six professional athletes. And it's like, how 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 do you live like that? Well, you just you just grind it out. And, uh, you know, the the slogan of minor league baseball is it, if you don't like it, play better. Um, and unfortunately, that's the truth. Uh, you, you just grind through day in and day out until you're either in a better position or gone and out of the game. That's just the reality of it. That's crazy. I would have had to, like, depend on my parents to send me some money. You do. I, one of my one of my best friends is uh, he's actually over playing in Japan now. And I recall vividly he pulled up to a, a gas station and, and this guy made it to the big leagues. He's a big league talent player and is now playing in Japan. Um, we we pulled up to a gas station and his card was he literally didn't have like three dollars for gas. And he had to call his uncle and say, hey, can you can you put some money on on my card real quick? I can't pay for gas. And that's that's the reality of it, man. Like we are at that level, some of the best 
in the world at what we do, like the top 0.1% of what we do, yet you can't afford to pay gas to get to the field sometimes. It's crazy Man. what people do chasing that dream. I mean, yeah. it's, it's like, like I think back to my college career, I never thought in a million years that the game of baseball would have brought me to West Texas and it would have helped me get through college and get my degree. And then I had an opportunity to play independent, independent baseball, but I said no. And I could just imagine trying to chase the dream all the way into like being 30, 31. One of my best friends just retired playing any ball, made it all the way up to, you know, he was playing up at St. Paul and he was living with host families and he was 30 years old and he was still yeah. having to ask his mom to help him with money. That's the crazy thing for me. It's like you got grown ass men that are the best at what they do, surrounded by the best athletes in with their team in that club, you know, in that clubhouse. And they're, you know, six deep in a four bedroom house or whatever it, it is. Right. Or living with a yeah. host family or asking their uncle to give them a couple bucks for gas money. That's wild. It's crazy. It, it, yeah. It literally, you know, sometimes comes down to like, yeah, you can no longer chase the dream anymore because life, life is happening and it's happening faster than you're able to keep up with. And unfortunately I've seen a lot of big league level talent have to drop out of baseball because they just can't support themselves or, you know, God forbid you're coming through professional baseball and you have a wife or, or a kid that you need to support. It's impossible. Yeah. Like it literally is impossible if you're coming through professional baseball at the minor league level and you have a wife and a kid to support them. You, you have to, you have to, have you have to rely on on your spouse to to help you out or or family um and these people are literally just chasing a dream that they've been chasing since they were four or five years old and they're having to make it a life decision on if they need to stop or if they need to continue to try and make millions of dollars you know i can if i'm at the single a level making whatever it is uh you know you know my my first year it's like six thousand dollars a year if you happen to get to the big leagues, you make $2,700 a day. And that was my wow. first year. That's, that's changed. But yeah. that's literally the difference. If I'm in the big leagues for two days, I make what I made in an entire year at the minor league level. And, and you can't tell me that those guys are that much better than the talent in the minor league. You know, the, the talent is, pr is pretty close. Once you get to professional baseball, you're pretty damn good at baseball. Um, and to be that close and to have that much of a disparity is, is tough. I think the, the thing, the common fan doesn't get it because the moment you get that call up, right. It's, it's a special moment. You, you, you hear the stories and you know, the press, you know, they run with it and they have the moment for the guy, but I mean, it's so quick for people on Twitter and all this stuff. If that, if that dude goes over three that day and strikes out and gets a hat trick, it's so quick that they'll be complaining. Like why the, why the hell do we call this scrub up? Like, Bro, he's having the best day of his life. That's probably the best 0 for 3 he'll ever have. Like, he's in yeah. the show. He's in the moment. He finally got that call up. And I think the more that the fans are realizing, like, these guys are humans like us. Like, the disconnect there was so long because if we got an interview in a newspaper, now, you know, a player can tweet or get on Twitch or whatever, FaceTime, Instagram, TikTok. You're like, oh, okay, they're, they're just like me. And so there's yeah. a human element there because I think there was a disconnect for all this time. But that's why I love the call-ups, and, and, I, and I love seeing um, even the tanking thing. I know the Astros tanked before you know, we went on this run, but a lot of those guys got a shot in the show because they, we tanked. Like, yeah, they were maybe you know, you know, AAA you know, or quadruple-A players playing in the big leagues, but 
they're big leaguers for the rest of their life. They, they're getting big league paychecks. That is so cool. So when people are like, oh, teams are tanking, tanking, teams like, okay, but there's, a, there's, you know, there's dudes on that 40 man, you know, or, or, or playing, they're in the show now for the rest of their life. They're, they're part of an elite fraternity already on top of elite fraternity for being a professional athlete in major league baseball. And I just think it's so cool to see them get called up and seeing those moments. And um, I'm glad that that's really being highlighted and pushed. Um, imagine the guys that spend like 10, 12 years in the minors and stay at it and stay dedicated and then finally get the call up yeah. and they get to play like that's life changing. Such, yeah. Life changing and just such dedication to the game and to your craft to just yeah. stick that out. 10, 12 years in the minor leagues. I, I don't know if I would be able to do that, especially yeah. trying to make ends meet. Like you explained, Ben, like that's, that's such dedication to that's, you know, to the game of baseball. Like it's, Good for them to to stick it out and actually finally get called up to the show. I'm there's a name that I'm trying to find uh, on my phone, but I can't. Guy for it. the Braves just recently. Yeah, that was, yeah. I was is it for the Braves, right? Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm trying to think of. But yeah, that's that's kind of the the story that I'm thinking of. Ben, who was uh who was one guy that in your professional career that just was like this dude's electric stuff? Like I I think about it. Uh, I faced JMO. I was a sophomore in high school. He was a senior, and I saw Jameson Town pitch. Uh, he went to the Woodlands, and I was like, oh yeah. This guy, this guy's a dude. Like he's yeah. he's got it. I'm barely hitting puberty. He's throwing a fastball 100 miles an hour. Um, what was one of the guys that you were in your professional career were like, yeah, that guy's got it. You know, I faced Amir Garrett a ton, and actually, you know, we we had some good battles back and forth, and you know, I, I hit fairly well off of him, and and obviously he had his share of punch outs against me, but I, I knew he had like the guy just had electric stuff, and he was a starter. Uh, at the time in the minor leagues when we would always face each other. And, and he was always really good. Um, I faced Alex Reyes, who was dominant, Jack Flaherty. Um, I faced Craig Kimbrell in spring training. Obviously, he was insane. Um, just a lot of a lot of names. You, you know, like I'll look back and I'll be watching a game and be like, oh, God, I played that guy, played against that guy. And it's like I, I don't realize in the moment, like um, – who I'm facing. And then I like see them every day. Uh, a guy is in the big leagues. And I'm like, Oh God, I, I faced him. That guy's yeah. nasty. Um, so there, I mean, it seems like every, every day in the minor leagues, you're facing somebody that is potentially going to be uh, a big league talent. Amir Garrett's uh, I love Amir Garrett. I like the, uh, what was it when he cleared benches with, he's with the reds, right? Yeah. 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 He cleared benches. I forgot what team it was. And he threw the glove and he was like, bringing them on like that's that's the stuff i, I like amazing. to see man yeah that's great yeah. who uh what what coach or or manager um can you look back on your career at the college level high school level college level uh minor leagues who who is one guy that had a big impact on your career or, or your life i would say the biggest one was my my college coach chris fenwood who's currently the coach at old dominion who's about to make a big tournament run here um you know my first two years in college i did both i i pitched and uh, hit. I was a dual player. And after my junior year or after my sophomore year, you know, I was, I was average at both. And there's, look, there's nothing wrong with being average and average D1 baseball player at two different things, but I, I wasn't like in a position to, to, to get drafted. And we talked after the season and he was like, look, you need to pick one or the other. Um, I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I can't sit here and tell you what you should do. I have an opinion. Um, but you need to pick one. You're not going to get drafted as both and, and you should become, you should dedicate your craft solely to one thing. So I did, and I became a full-time hitter and I went into summer ball that year and totally 
uh, dedicated my life and my baseball career to hitting and becoming uh, an everyday outfielder. And I did, and then came back to college and that my junior year and became an All-American. And um, that really changed my career and my outlook. And, and that's, I think that's why I have so much respect and I mean, I'm so in awe of Shohei Otani because I know how hard it is to do both. And I have no idea how hard it is to do both at the professional level and at the highest level in the world, but he's doing it at an all-star level on each side of the ball at the highest level in the world. And it became hard for me to even do it at the, at the college level and, and dedicate enough time at each to, to be good at it. It was impossible then. Uh, so I, I think what he's doing in the big leagues is just absolutely incredible. But yeah, my, my college coach, Chris Fenwood, has definitely, uh, definitely had the biggest factor on me, I think. With all these new young faces, if you were to start a franchise tomorrow, you, are, you got the keys to the castle. Who are you starting a franchise around tomorrow? Ooh, tough question. Uh, I feel like right now I'm probably going to go, just so we know where my head's at, I'm going back and forth between Acuna and Tatis. Um, you know, I, I think with those guys being 22, 23 years old, I, I still think Trout is the best player on the planet. Uh, but I, I'm probably going to start with a guy. I'm probably going to take Acuna. Um, I think it needs to be a guy that plays in the center of the baseball field. Um, you know, I think you can play Acuna in center. You can have uh, Tatis at short. So neither of those answers you can go wrong with. Um, but whatever one I tell you, I'm probably going to be pissed off I didn't go with the other one. But right now, I'll, I'll take Acuna. What, what do you make of Tatis's, uh defensive struggles here lately? Yeah, you know, it's 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 tough. It's almost like I watched the game last uh, one of their most recent games and he was going to turn a double play and he was on the receiving end of it. And he literally just like dropped dropped a ball. It's like a really strange sort of it's almost like he's in his head a little bit out of shortstop. And um, there's definitely struggles and, and that he hadn't really had in his career up until now so i i have no doubts he'll he'll turn around and get it figured out it almost just seems like it's a little little mental and something in his head at this point yeah he makes he makes a few errors errors here and there and it's like holy shit he's actually human i mean every, yeah. everything else this dude does is is unbelievable with with the pop that he's got uh the home runs and then you see him boot a ball and it's like okay he's he's still young he's still growing still working himself as a you know the best everyday player and then, like you said, on a, on a double play, I saw the video on Twitter, actually, was, I think, last night, where yeah. it was just a weird, just a weird turn. Like, I, I can't even explain, like, how it looked. It was just so kind of awkward looking. And yeah. then I think it just goes back to, like, yeah, he's still young. He's still human, right? So, right. Um, yeah, it's crazy. He's, he's just so damn good. So, yeah. I think either of those guys, Acuna, I, I like Acuna personally. Uh, to start my franchise, I don't know about Des. Who Des? I'm, I'm going Trout. I, I'm still. Yeah. I get the young, the young thing. I'm, I, Trout is just so damn good. He just. I feel like he's gonna keep doing it for another 20 years, and I don't know. He's just. He's a superstar. Is he uh, gonna make? Is you. he? Is he ever gonna make the playoffs though? Are the Angels ever gonna get back into the playoffs? I mean, come on. <laughs> it, I mean, it's a team. I mean, he can only do so much, right? I, I mean, yeah, right, and Otani right. and Rendon, you would think is, but they got to build around that. I, I just, I don't know. It's, it's That's a, a hot take, though. You heard it here first. Dez says Mike Trout's going to keep doing what he's doing until he's 50. Yes, easily. <laughs> easily. If there's anyone in the world to do it, it'd be Mike Trout. Um, yeah. yeah. 
what is um what's one guy on your flipping bats podcast that when you're just like okay you had a, a different perspective of him coming in and you're like oh this guy's you know he, he's cool or you know because a, a lot of times we don't, obviously we don't get a lot of big leaguers on ours but some not big yet. leaguers will big league you know not yet we're getting there don't worry yeah what's, what's one guy <laughs> what's one guy you're like oh all right he's a dude uh i would definitely say the the one that i was you know most surprised i don't want to say surprised but but Lance Lynn, uh, you know, out on the field has this personality that is super fiery and fired up and can kind of be like an asshole to, to people in the moment, like not directly to them, but he can come off uh, looking that way because because he gets so fired up and, and because he gets so passionate. And uh, I had him on and he was just awesome, man. He's so funny. He's such a good guy. Um, and, and we talked about that. We talked about like the passion he plays with on the field. And he said, he, he just need, he needs to get into a place like that. And it's no like disrespect towards anybody. It's just like, you know, something that, that he needs to do. So definitely, uh, Lance Lynn so far. And I was also, um, actually my next episode that comes out on Tuesday is, is Walker Bueller. And I didn't know anything about him and he was, he's, he was awesome too. So that's probably another one that, that sticks out in my mind. Are you? you uh, oh, go ahead, sorry. Go ahead. No, no. Go ahead, Des. All right. No, uh, I was just saying, like, pitchers are p- people don't understand. Pitchers are kind of assholes. I mean, they kind of get in their own little zone on on game day. You know, they have the routine. And like, my roommate was a was a pitcher, and I, I nicest human being in the world. I'd call him right now. Hey, I need some help. He'd be here. But on game day, I mean, the guy was a maniac, like just an absolute maniac. And uh, it's cool that you said that because it, it related a lot to to my old baseball memories of like, oh yeah, I get it. Game day, that guy's just a different dude. Um, and everything else off offline is, um, you know, the, the PO life, they're probably, you know, golfing right now. And then you yeah. know, shagging some BP, they, they live the, the pretty life. Yeah. My, my, my brother is the, the same way off the field. It's, you know, he's my brother and we just yeah. hang out and he's, he's awesome. And then you get on the field and on a day game or on a, on a day he's starting, you know, he's he's so locked in and so like out of it that he's just laser focused and, and it, it can come off as being an asshole. But it, but it's not. It's just like it's a zone you have to get into. And, and you know, Glass now was the first guest on my show and, and we talked about it. He, he's an awesome guy. Um, and, you know, it's it's he's he talked about how he needed to get himself into a position and he's not like a guy that that is mean or mad, but he needed to get himself there. So he would literally like look up pharma bro before his starts like that, like mad scientist guy yeah. that's screwing people over in the medicine world. And that that's the way he would get himself into like a, a zone to be pissed off and get mad at the world and get himself into a state like that. So yeah, pitchers are uh pitchers can be weird characters. Uh so it's interesting to hear like how they how they go about getting to that place that they need to pitch at that hair is feathered and lethal by by glass now as well i mean that flow that i mean it's it's, it's got nice flow man it's the best flow in the great, flow. League. great big flow. league flow big league flow uh brian what were you gonna say sorry for cutting oh you no uh you know we we're just talking about pitchers and and different you know big leaguers ben do you get nervous interviewing anybody does anybody intimidate you um I mean, at the end of the day, we're all human, right? So do you ever get nervous before a podcast or before bringing some one of the big leaguers on? Yeah, it was. it's the same as when I was playing, to be honest. Like, if there was somebody that that I don't know that I'm interviewing, like, yeah, 
a little bit. And then, then the second it starts and they yeah. start answering questions and it's like, dude, this guy's, you know, just like us in an instance, like it, it becomes a lot easier, but absolutely. You know, one of, one of my guests was Bernie Williams and I'm like, Oh my God, like I, I've never met this guy. He's an absolute legend. One of the best, like, switch hitting center fielders of all time. He's a Yankee legend. His numbers retired in Yankee history. I'm like, Oh God. And then, yeah. uh, you know, I was nervous bringing him in and then he started answering questions and was like super, um, he was awesome and went in depth on everything. And I'm like, you know what, like this is, this is awesome. But certainly like before interviews, you can get nervous. Yeah. How's it been during, obviously we're the pandemic and, and coronavirus and, and everything that's all virtual now. Um, what's your process like? Are you in the studio? What's that day to day? You have to go through all those hurdles and, and obviously you're interviewing these guys on, on Skype and Zoom and stuff. But um, how's that adjustment been? Because it's that's all you've known, right? You just got into it. You're, you're yeah. doing this stuff. So what kind of uh, give the insight, insight to the, the listeners and the viewers of like what your process is? Because I, we're all creatures of habit, right? We all keep that what we learn in baseball. So what's that process like for you? So I'm sort of, I, I'm a, uh, what's called multimedia personality. So I, I do a lot of different things. So I do a lot of writing, um, which I can do from, from right here. I do, I write a couple articles a week for foxsports.com. Um, and then uh, I do a bunch of social media stuff for not only myself, but like for the Fox, uh, Fox sports team and do like lists and rankings and all that stuff. So I work on that throughout the week. And then obviously my show and the podcast and that's in studio. So I go in studio every Monday to record that. Uh, and, you know, the episodes come out every Tuesday. So Monday is kind of the time to film like the current state, the storylines, all that stuff. And then interviews kind of just happen throughout the week whenever, whenever it works out. So I could get a call um, today saying, hey, uh, you know, Wednesday afternoon, we have an interview with so-and-so and and it's just kind of like, you need to, you need to go and do it. Um, So it's like kind of just doing all these different things all over the place and trying to, to, to get organized in your head. And also like every time I go into studio now, I need to get COVID tested two days or, or a day in advance. And it's like, okay, so now I need to remember, I need to do that. And it's just all these moving parts that uh, it's, all you can hope for is that it becomes sort of an organized chaos, which I'm, I'm starting to get there. That's great. As how's the trolls been, uh, as you emerge and, and you're becoming, I, I, I teased it, like you're becoming the new face and wave of a baseball sports media. I get it. And I'm a small account. The trolls gotta be in your mentions, especially the ranking for some reason, rankings. If you put a rankings on anything, like it could be your favorite sandwich. Someone will be in the troll in the comments is trolling. Yankee uh, rankings are great, dude. It it is a way to get a lot of people talking about it and have absolutely nobody agree about it. Not a single person. And that's the way it always has, you know, like I I do my weekly power rankings in the MLB, but I also just came out with like starting lineups for the all-star game and who I think it's going to be. And, um, the NL actually got like people like, yep, this is great. And then the AL came out the next day and everyone's like, oh, this is awful. And it's like the rankings are certainly a way to, to get a bunch of trolls. But yeah, man, you know, I my whole life I've been dealing with the, um, you know, with who my older brother is and, yeah. and people just I, I'd say that's where the majority of 
of trolls come from is people just saying, well, you know, you're blah, blah, blah. And that's why you're there. And it's like, you know, I, I've worked really hard in my life to, to be where I am and to become a professional athlete and an all American and to propel that into the career I have now. And, um, you know, any, any, anybody on the internet that says you're just where you are because of the last name Verlander doesn't really know me or has never gotten the chance to know me or look at the work that I put in or how much time and dedication I put into my craft. Um, but that is where the, the majority of the trolling comes from for sure. I th- for sure. I know we're, you're forging your path, man. And, um, I, I think what you've been doing and you're constantly doing is, is changing the game for, for the better. Uh, I obviously we've connected um, over the internet and all that stuff. So uh, to see your growth and and everything has been truly remarkable, man. I appreciate it a lot, man. I've uh, I've you know I've, I just feel like I need to go above and beyond and work harder and be a better person, uh, just solely because of uh, you know who my family member is and and because Justin is my older brother and it's like I, I automatically know that I'm gonna be. Uh, I'm going to be perceived a certain way. Um, so since he's nine years older than me, you know, so since, since I was in middle school, my brother was a big leaguer. So I, I found out pretty quickly that to create my own name, I'm going to have to go above and beyond and be the best person I can be and to be as kind to people as I, as I possibly can be and to, to work harder than them and to, to work as hard as I can at my craft. And, you know, there's still going to be people out there that discredit what you do. But uh, as as long as the majority of people understand the the kind of human being I am and, and how hard I work at what I do and, and how hard I've worked to be where I am, uh, th- that's what's most important to me, uh, because I have worked hard. And, and you know, I know I know you do. And seeing, you know, like you said, we, we met on on Twitch, basically, and and you can see how hard you work and, and just um, putting in that time and those hours and, and just caring at the end of the day about my job and my work and how much work I put in, as well as the other people that I'm around. And at the end of the day, hopefully, uh, hopefully you make more friends than not. 100%. I think uh, people don't understand the grind with, with this industry, with radio, media, TV, whatever, you, whatever you're doing in that Thing. I've been chasing a radio dream since I was essentially 17 years old in high school. I knew I wanted to be on the radio. Um, and then I, I covered the Astros and the Rockets for Sports Talk 790 for two and a half years and then got laid off because of the COVID uh, in October. I remember during homestands, I'm at the ballpark every single day while working a full-time job. And that's me driving from the Woodlands down to Minute Maid Park every single day on a 10-game homestand. To, you know, and I was making 10 bucks an hour, which it wasn't about money for me. So when I sit on my phone now and I see your name, Ben Verlander, pop up on my Fox Sports app, I think you're doing a good job. I think you're doing, you're doing okay and you're making a name for yourself. Um, you know, I, I looked at your I, – I read your stuff weekly. Um, people don't understand the grind, especially writing articles. That, I was a sports editor in college. That shit sucks. Let's be real. I, 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 I'm a good writer, and I don't even write for Apollo because I just I, – I lost, you know, I just, I lost the love for doing it. So for you to be pumping out articles two, three times a week, that's tough. And then all the other things that you said you do, all the moving parts, everything moving across the country into a new space. I mean, like that's people don't respect that. And that's what bothers me, I think, with these Internet trolls is they really just don't understand it. They're just going to attack you to attack you. 
especially with the culture that we live in today. It's so easy to tweet and, you know, run their mouth, especially obviously you said what your last name is. So you're always going to get that, I think. But for me, and I just met you here and I can already tell that you seem like a very genuine guy. So um, I appreciate the time. I know Des did. So you talk about being a kind person. Thank you for for taking time out of your Friday morning on the West Coast to, to hang out with us, man. So, you know, obviously you're doing well and you're going to continue to to make a name for yourself like you talked about. So I couldn't be more more grateful for you spending time with just, with, you know, two local Houston guys shooting the shit about about baseball, man. So thank you. I appreciate that, man. I, I really do. And of course, I, I appreciate you guys work. I love um, Apollo Houston and, and all you guys do. And um, I really appreciate you guys having me on. You, you guys get it. It's it's a grind. And, uh, you know, that's that's all you can do is and, and I've tried to, you know, I've had to do this my whole life. I've, I've had to or tried to different create create my own path almost. And, and it's cool to hear you say, you know, like every time my name pops up, um, you know, it, it more so is just creating my own name and my own path and not just being Justin's brother, becoming Ben Verlander. And, um, you know, the, you just the harder you work, the, the, the more prominent that becomes. And uh, yeah, so I, I really appreciate you guys having me there for real. This has been a blast. I will say I will say one comment about your brother. Uh, he's the most intimidating man I've ever met in my life. <laughs> I will say that. Uh, so like I said, when I was covering the Astros, I would do interviews and I always came to the ballpark with uh, baseball IQ questions on my mind. Like AJ yeah. Hinch was one of my favorite people to interview because I would actually bring, you know, uh, a different look than these TV people asking about how special it is to have your family in the stands type thing. Right. Um, but when I interviewed Justin Verlander, I always had to be on my shit because yeah. if I didn't, he would look at me like <clears throat> I was an idiot. And it was just so intimidating him. And the other guy, surprisingly, Evan Gaddis, I think just because he's such a big, massive guy and he doesn't really like talking to the media, you always had to be, had to have your questions already thought out to ask those <laughs> two guys. So that's great. Yeah. Uh, then thanks for uh, spending time. You want to plug all your social and, and everything right now for everyone listening and watching? Yeah, sure. So the the podcast is Flipping Bats. And, uh, you know, I'm 10, 10 episodes in now. And, you know, it's it's been a blast. And like we talked about, it's all about like, you know, just showcasing the the new age of baseball and how fun and exciting it is. And just having like, just basically talking shop with, with players and, and getting to know them and also talking, you know, equal parts about baseball, but also not baseball. And then that's been a blast and that's available on Apple or Spotify or literally wherever you get podcasts. And we also have social handles, uh, Twitter, Instagram, the, it, there's a video, um, you know, it comes out via video on YouTube. So all that good stuff. And then, uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm on Twitter, Burley 32 on Instagram, Ben Verlander, all that good stuff. So, um, you know, appreciate all that and hope you check out the podcast. It, it means a lot to me and, and it's good starting off. Well, we're 10 episodes in, and, uh, I hope it becomes, uh, the best that it can be. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we'll make sure we'll plug everything as well in the details. Uh, Ben, once again, thanks, bro. Of course, man. Thank you guys for having me. really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks, Ben. Appreciate your time. That's going to do it for segment two here on beyond the diamond podcast. Don't go anywhere. We're, we'll come back with segment three. We'll wrap up and uh, get you out of here. So thanks again to Ben Verlander joining us. Check him out on Twitter at Verley32. Brian Lima, Apollo Des here on the Apollo Podcast Network. Man, what a what an interview, Des. Back here on Beyond the Diamond Podcast, Brian Lima, Apollo Des. Follow us on Twitter at BLima790. 
at Apollo Des one and of course at Apollo HOU. Des and I just finished up a lengthy conversation with Ben Verlander, but it really didn't even feel like it was that long because just the conversation was flowing. Just a couple of guys being dudes talking all things baseball. We talked flipping bats. Uh, we talked about Ben Verlander's journey. We talked about Fernando Tatis. We talked uh, a little bit about the Astros. I mean, just anything baseball. Man, what an interview. Ben Verlander, thank you so much for joining us. Man, What that was, that was awesome. That was freaking awesome. Yeah, I think you nailed it, right? When you have conversations with people that it feels like 10 minutes and you're like, oh, wow, that was an hour. Uh, that's when you know um, it was really, really special. And so uh, that's what it felt like for us um, and hopefully for Ben as well, because it was just fun to talk about his journey um, to where he is today from his professional career uh, to his post-professional career to everything in between his infatuation with Shohei Otani. Um, talking about all the war stories and, and walk up songs. It was that was fun. That was a yeah. hell of a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. And I think people, you know, you, the listener, will find out some things that you really didn't know about Ben Verlander. Obviously, when you hear Ben Verlander's name, I'm sure the average person thinks, oh, is he related to Justin Verlander? But Ben, ben Verlander was a damn good ball player himself. You don't just get names to the All-American team at the Division One level if you're a scrub. And Ben Verlander was an All-American outfielder for Old Dominion. And Old Dominion is really damn good this year. Also playing in the regional, uh, hosting a regional, not at their site, but they're still a regional host. Um, so, yeah, I think a lot of people are going to really enjoy that interview. And I know you and I did. Uh, unfortunately, we've got a short segment here uh, for segment number three. So we will preview the upcoming series for the Houston Astros. They are off on Monday and then they will take on the Boston Red Sox at Fenway Park Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. You've got Valdez, Jake Odorizzi. And Zach Grinke going for the Astros. Uh, man, what do you think, Des? You know, for me, just right off the bat, it's the, the name that I'm circling is, can we get a quality start from Jake Odorizzi? That's my take on this. Com- this up. I, don't, I don't care what happens. I just want to see Jake Odorizzi go six strong innings, keep the pitch count low, and keep the Astros into the ballgame. As the resident Jake Odorizzi, Odo guy, um, for all of Apollo Media, really, um, Hopefully he's uh he can he can show up and show out. I was just on a podcast uh, on the for the Red Sox side and I predicted us to lose a series and only take one of three. But I did preface that I've been saying that all year and it's been working the opposite way. So I'm gonna keep doing that. I don't think the Astros take the series uh, because every time I do say that we ended up getting shellac. So um, positives it would it would great obviously another start for Framber. Um, lefties don't really fare well at. at Fenway, it's tough for them there. Uh, that'll be a, a good chess match to see. Obviously, Jake Odorizzi, um, he's got to be feeling some heat from Luis Garcia and Lance McCullers coming back. Um, I think he's going to be stuck in the rotation just because he's an innings eater guy. And then um, Zach Grinke, um, we, we talked about him at length on segment one. He's he's our guy, and um, it does scare me that this offense facing Zach Grinke throwing 86 at Fenway. That, that's, in theory, a recipe for disaster. Yeah, I think for the Astros, uh, the game that Odorizzi pitches, he's going against Nathan Uvalde. I think that the Astros are going to light up Nathan Uvalde. I think Uvalde wow. throws. Man, I do. I, the Astros the have a lot of. Nathan Uvalde that shoved it against us in 18? Yeah, that's fine. That was in 2018. I think they, I think they waxed him off the mound in four. Wow, what a take. That's it. That's a take. Bringing look, the heat, baby. Look, I, I say that, and he's the heat on the mound, and Brian's bringing the heat off the mound. Look at dude. dude. 
Look, I got a clock. I'm clocking you right now. This is Look, 102. Man. You still got your fastball meat. Man, dude, you I never got lost your fastball. It. Never lost it, baby. Coming to a slow pitch softball field near you. Oh. Um, man, I say that now, and he's probably going to go out and throw an absolute gem and just dominate. He's probably going to. We're going to get ratioed so much. Yeah, I think, uh, again, just the, the one takeaway from this upcoming series for me is Jake Odorizzi. You made a good point. It's another start for Framber. Zach Greinke does Zach Greinke things. So uh, I'm not even going to make a prediction. I just want it. Look, the Astros just continue to play good ball. Um, they're coming towards the end of this rough stretch of, of not, oh, I say rough stretch, a tough stretch of opponents. Just looking ahead, they've got at Boston, then they go to Minneapolis to take on the Twins. They come back home to take on the Rangers and the White Sox. Um, so, yeah, this tough, tough part of the schedule is coming to an end, and they're still playing quality baseball. Like I said, they're 7-5 and five over the last three series. Um, so I, I look forward to uh, uh, an Odorizzi dub. I'm calling it now. He's going to get a win. That's dude. bold. That's, That's very... bold. Look, look, you want to do... Hey, all right, let's do that. You want to do a little right. lunch bet? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. I'll, I'll take the other side. Okay, so Jake Odorizzi wins. No, well, what if what happens if he oh, gets a no I, decision or something? It's a push. It's yeah. a push. We okay, just push. go to lunch right. together. We pay for our own ticket. Okay, that's fair. A push. Yeah, all right. So, Jake Odorizzi you gets a win. You have actually better odds because our bullpen could do either or. So. Yeah. Well, let's hope Jake Odorizzi throws seven strong innings, six strong innings, and yeah. just keeps if, the Astros If he in gets it. the win or loss. We'll do a little lunch bet. Follow me. You're on. And I'm Here. a big Jake Odo guy. So We know. At, it's really tough for me to step up on that ledge and take the other side on that. Dude, we know. It's well documented. You are the biggest fan of Jake Odorizzi. You are a huge uh, Jake I may Odo change guy. my name to, to Apollo Dez Odorizzi. I uh, may do it. Apollo Dez slash Odo. Uh, what is it? Odo Stan account? Is that what those are? Oh, oh man. Oh, man. Yeah. But that's going to wrap up Beyond the Diamond. Man, again, big thanks to uh, Ben Verlander for joining us. The Astros are in Boston taking on the Red Sox at Fenway Park. You got anything before we get out of here, Des? We should have went to this series. We should have, man. We should have. I'm thinking Dude, about I it right it now. I said it yesterday. I'm thinking about it. I said it yesterday. We should have went. Um, man. Ah, we dropped the ball on this one. Sure did, It's dude. all right. It's okay. It's God, we, we could have flown up. It's an off day on Monday. We could have flown up. We could have had a couple of Boston hot dogs some and a couple chowder. of... Some Yeah, some, some clam chowder. chowder. Whose car are we taking? Yeah. Oh, so, man, a couple of hot dogs and some beers, yeah. and yeah, we, uh, we dropped Sam the ball Adams. on them. That's oh. fine, dude. It's all right. It's all right. It'll, it'll be there in October. Man. We, Damn, we, we dropped hey, the ball. Well, looking ahead, we could go to Baltimore. You want to go watch them play? Uh, Is that uh, right next to Detroit? It, it might be. <laughs> uh, let's just ask little bro. Let's ask little bro. <laughs> Everyone oh, listening doesn't get that reference. They don't. They you don't. can ask us about it. We'll tell That's you. Um, we'll no, I have it. nothing left. Uh just once again, thanks for Ben Verlander jumping on. Um, go, we'll drop all his social and all this stuff. Go check his stuff out as well. And uh, just love you guys. Yep, that's going to do it. Segment three is over. Follow us on Twitter at BLEMA790, at ApolloDez1, and of course at ApolloHOU. Check out our YouTube. Check out our Twitch. Just continue to uh, like, subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe. Give us five-star reviews. Just let us know how we're doing. You can always tweet us. We'll be there. Uh, again, thank you for listening. And we will be back with you after the Astros take on the Red Sox. We'll preview uh, the twin series that's coming up later this week. Thank you for listening. Continue to listen only on Beyond the Diamond podcast here on the Apollo Podcast Network.